Welcome to the Art Impact Podcast, a place to talk about walking your path and leading your artistic career through mastery, entrepreneurship, and social impact. I'm Raquel Balestella, a business coach and a theater maker, and I'm here to help you build a sustainable, impactful, and freaking awesome career as an artist. Following your creative call is one of the most exhilarating and deep down fulfilling journeys there is. And it's one where we feel the most vulnerable too. It can be everything but easy at times, but I know you wouldn't settle for anything less. This podcast is made by and for entrepreneurial artists who are finding new ways of creating more art and impact in the world. If learning how to lead your career as an entrepreneur while building a heart-to-heart community, having a pretty beautiful bank account and loads of fun along the way, it's your thing too, this podcast is for you. Let's dive in. Hey and welcome to one more episode of Art Impact. I'm your host, Raquel Estella, and I'm so thrilled to have you here today. Can you be terrified and fearless at the same time? In today's episode, I'm talking to Scott Graham, the Artistic Director of Frantic Assembly. From a reckless leap into the unknown 25 years ago, Frantic Assembly has developed into one of the UK's most successful and best-loved theatre companies. And in this episode, we get to go behind the scenes and know why and how. Frantic Assembly's mission is to make brave and bold theatre, and its work has always extended beyond the stage. The company has a deep commitment to the ethos of collaboration, empowerment and a constant desire to improve, telling stories in a voice we don't always hear and finding talent in places we don't always look. Scott co-founded Frantic Assembly in 1994 and has received numerous nominations and awards for his work. He has developed and written extensively about the Frantic Method and with Stephen Hoggett has written the Frantic Assembly Book of Devising Theatre, published by Routledge. Scott is passionate about creating opportunities for people who might see theatre as a challenge or alienating and believes that these new voices and fresh perspectives are vital to the health of the arts. I love this conversation so much, I can't wait to share it with you. Scott shared his experience, expertise and heart so generously, and I ended up with a notebook full of notes and ideas to develop further. So, without, uh, without any further ado, let's dive in. So, welcome to the Art Impact, uh, Scott Graham. I'm so excited to talk with you today. Uh, thank you so much for 
taking the time to yeah to chat with us and and share uh, your beautiful uh, experience at Frantech <laughs> Assembly and all the beautiful amazing things you have been doing uh, it's uh, yeah such an honor to to talk with you today thank you no thank you thank you for asking me oh lovely and uh, so yeah so let's jump in um i would love to if you could tell us your story how 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 you came about to to start frantic assembly and and all all the other things that you do yeah i think um i think it's really important to say that i, w I wasn't necessarily looking to start a theater company i wasn't looking to get involved in theater mm. i wasn't particularly interested in theater when i was um, at school and it was a teacher who just came up and said to me by the way i've put your name down for the school play you need to be here at this time and uh, <laughs> this is outrageous <laughs> but i i didn't complain too much and actually went along with it which i thought was quite interesting oh. he must have seen something in me that i didn't see um and i got involved in school play and mm. i absolutely loved it but mm. i was 15 at this point and then when i was in sixth form i just wanted to do more of that kind of thing yeah I get, again really enjoyed it then went to university and just dropped it didn't feel brave enough to join the drama society mm -hmm. it was uh terrifying the mm -hmm. idea of it was just terrifying mm -hmm. eventually after two whole years i plucked up the courage in my third year to join the drama society yeah and then that just it just opened up a whole new world um a local well an international touring theater company who happened to be a local um in swansea a company called volcano theater company Mm -hmm. They were running a residency Ooh. with the students and I got to see that work and my friend was in the work. So we both experienced it from either side of the project and it absolutely changed our world. Mm -hmm. I didn't know theatre could be like that. He didn't know theatre could be like that. Mm -hmm. And we just wanted to be part of it and going to see that show changed my life completely. And mm -hmm. I remember... I couldn't mm. actually get any friends to come and join me to come and see the show. And I was thinking, should I bail out? Should I not go? But I did go. And mm -hmm. it's, it's mm -hmm. one of those moments that changed absolutely everything. But as okay. I said, yep. um, my friend Stephen, Hog Stephen Hoggett and I, we just wanted to devour this work and get involved. It was very physical. It felt like we were in it when we were watching it. It felt like it was on multi-dimension. Mm -hmm. um, And it was unlike anything I'd seen before. Mm -hmm. And my background was sport. I, yep. I just played football and all kinds of sport. And this physicality seemed to validate theatre for me. But it also oh. told me that I, I had crossover skills that I never thought of. Mm -hmm. my, my balance and physicality or whatever it was, uh, was useful. My mm -hmm. energy was useful. And... Yeah, so from that day, we just wanted to make work. We didn't know how to, but yeah. we wanted to. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. So we we took shows to the Edinburgh Festival mm -hmm. as students, mm -hmm. uh, pretending not to be students, but it was probably quite apparent we were students. Mm -hmm. But we got good reviews, and we did that as Frantic Theatre Company. So we gave ourselves a name, and built on the success of that we decided to start a company with another friend Vicky Middleton and it somehow 
takes me to this point now. Oh, know, wow. 28 years later. <laughs> so it kind of worked out. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. What an interesting story. So, so amazing. So amazing. Wow. Yeah, I, I have moments like that as well in my in my journey inside theater when, when I saw something or or I did one workshop that like completely changed the, the world yeah. for me and then and I and then that I really couldn't yeah, I didn't have any other desire other than than follow, follow whatever was going on. And yeah, it's very powerful, isn't it? Yeah. And I think um it it would be wrong to suggest that it hasn't been 28 years of hard work and, and yeah and sacrifice and mm, mm, mm. But these are really important things to recognize that when you're up against it you keep working you keep going and you care about it but you also recognize there were moments that things changed and accidents and opportunities that came along and a split second here and a split second there and things would have been very different so it's a fragile existence but yeah also it is one that you Mostly, you steer yourself through mm, your hard work. Mm, yes, yes, definitely, definitely. Yes, yes, yeah. That's my experience too, for sure, for sure. And I'm, I'm so, I'm so curious now. So because I find so, so beautiful the the ignition program that you guys offer is such a, a powerful resource and and such a beautiful idea to put you know this this opportunity right there and offer you know young people other young people that otherwise they probably wouldn't even think about theater as you didn't even thought about theater and when you were younger and just to give them the opportunity to have their voices heard and to develop uh, skills like really professional uh, great skills on theater uh, so they can continue their journey if they want so I, I think that's such a I think it's a brilliant program I'm, I'm very curious this the the how how the idea of the ignition program came came about we in your yeah in your journey with yeah. frantic assembly yeah mm. well about i think 12 13 years ago now uh -huh. um actually more than that about 14 years ago no it's more than that <laughs> you know when you've been <laughs> going for 28 years you tend to lose track of the time um it was It, it came from a workshop we were running uh -huh, uh -huh. for professionals. Uh, and this was like a two-day workshop where we were taking over a nightclub and uh, creating a site-specific workshop, so making work in there. And we were looking for people to apply to be on the workshop. And we had loads and loads of women. We were hoping to take 10 women and 10, 10 men. Mm -hmm. And we had so many women apply, you know, hundreds. And we had two men apply oh. and that was extraordinary because we could see in schools and colleges that our work was really connecting with boys and and you know young men yeah but there was a gap this vocational leap wasn't being taken mm. and we weren't quite sure why and instead of moaning about it we decided to do something about it so ignition originally focused on uh young men Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and because of that gap and it used basically my background my story um yeah an inspiration you know I was I was pushed through that door yeah and told that could be for you and I didn't think about it beforehand 
And something I've realized quite recently is it's not that I didn't want to go through the door. I didn't know it was there. Mm. Do you know what I mean? And mm. it's, we have to work quite hard to tell people that this world is for them and that they have the skills mm. for theater um, and, and for making work and for creativity. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. It's really important. Um, so we decided to, in, instead of just moan about mm. people not coming to us, we decided to go looking for them. Mm. So it was about going to youth clubs, sports clubs, martial arts clubs, uh, street dance, parkour, all the places where that physicality might exist and that creativity might exist, but it's not being applied yet within theatre. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, you know, the easy route would have been gone, would have been to go to uh, youth theatres and say, you know, do you want to do this? But these people are already through the door. Yeah. They already know they're out, they are applying themselves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This was about that raw talent, and specifically mm. within people who hadn't recognised it yet, and even more specifically from places that might not value it. Because um, I, I felt that was my story. I felt like I came from a very ordinary working class town called Corby, yeah, in the East Midlands, and it has a small town mentality. But I had a, an even smaller small town mentality. <laughs> you know, I just i I knew nothing about universities. When uh-huh. I went to university, it was such a huge culture shock for me. Uh-huh. And up until I went, I think I probably thought there was only two universities based on, you know, hearing about Oxford and Cambridge. Yeah, yeah. So I was incredibly naive. And thinking that, you know, the world isn't for you is a really dangerous pattern to fall mm. into. And I think it's one that can be can be encouraged, actually, you know, in a really negative way by yeah. stripping away opportunity for people from low-income backgrounds and from different cultures. And as I say, it can be really damaging for those communities, yeah. but for how people look at themselves and what their aspirations are. So we wanted to go and meet them. We wanted to find them, mm-hmm. show mm-hmm. them that mm-hmm. they're just like us mm-hmm. and that theatre can be for them, but also that they can be for theatre. So that's where it started. Yeah. But it, it's uh, its ambition was to bring people into that world, not just to give them a good time. It wasn't about... Okay, okay. You know, it wasn't just about the experience. It was about the long term. So yeah. Ignition became a family. People keep coming back. Mm. They keep coming back and sharing their experiences and sharing their skills and continuing their training to the point where they find themselves with a professional life within the arts okay Um, okay so the success of ignition has been extraordinary and you know very quickly you know we wanted to open that up to um uh, females as well Mm -hmm, we never mm -hmm. had the funding for that we Mm -hmm. couldn't get the funding for that Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and so when we did pilot a female ignition that we were just take we were just spending our own money on that hemorrhaging money on that Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. But it felt very, very important to do exactly the same. Mm-hmm. Uh, the impetus might be slightly different because there are lots of young women within uh, the arts. Yes, yes. But, but they're often within the arts, working within the parameters, working within parameters that have been set by other people. Mm. You know, women are expected to be uh, Juliet or Desdemona. And then when they're not, 
when they get older, then they're the nurse. You know, necessarily... <laughs> it's terrible, isn't it? So terrible. Not... It is. It's awful, it's awful. But we just wanted to show that there was other ways of making work and finding your mm. own voice rather than fitting into the shape somebody else's yes to fit into. Yes. Yes. So I think it is extremely important for um, for us to you know have that that female experience within ignition too, and now it's completely mixed. Ah, okay, um, okay, yeah, yeah. Open, mm-hmm. open of course, to anybody. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Amazing, yeah. Wow, wow, Scott. I think I'm making so many notes. The <laughs> things you said. <laughs> Good that we're recording this because it's so so brilliant, so brilliant. This, this, all those insights and this experience, you know, where where art meets and need out there or a community out there i think it's such such a powerful encounter when when that happens isn't it what 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 do you do you see a difference for you do you see a difference when when you create a show and of course a show it's it is for an audience and it is for a community and it is for people as well of course we're sharing something um and but usually starts from well, I don't know how I would love to hear uh, Frantex Assembly's process as well, but usually starts from an internal need or internal insight or internal, you know, personal or an ensemble inside inspiration. And then that takes over a form that is shared, an experience that then is shared. And then we, in, in the case of Ignition and other, you know, um, initiatives that I see out there with other groups as well, it kind of it feels like it starts from a need that you see outside and then you try to answer do, what what's do you see do you see a different um creative process in those two uh programs uh, to do in those two pro- products we can say the creating theater or creating a program or just for you it's how, yeah how is that how no, is I, that for you i think I think you're right. I think ignition does come from identifying a need from within as much as, as from without. Ah, yeah. I have articulated that, um, recognizing that people weren't coming into theater, but I wanted people like me to be in theater. So it comes from there. It comes mm. from something quite personal. And also, I've always said to the participants of ignition, don't think of this as some kind of altruistic. Uh, offer from us mm. this is selfish <laughs> we want to be working with you yeah we want to be in the industry and we want to come calling and actually when I found myself saying that I thought when will this happen how far away is this and actually the reality it was so much quicker than I ever expected oh wow. we've made shows that have had cast members purely from ignition yes and even on Othello Within the uh, cast and creative, we have five Ignition graduates working mm-hmm. professionally mm-hmm. on that show. All there on merit because um, they are brilliant. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, and, and it gives me such, it, it's such a thrill. Mm. It, it's, it's something I'm, I'm immensely proud of. But they're working for Frantic. They're working with me. So it still comes from within. Yes. You know, um, yes, and I yes. think that's right about the work on stage as well. Mm-hmm. There can be a preconception about frantic assembly because our audience is full of young people that we make work for young people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I've got to be quite careful about that definition because I, I selfishly make it for me. It comes from uh -huh. inside <laughs> my head. It's got to. It's got yeah. to. Yes, 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 yes. It's got to be the show I want to make. I, I can't go, well, you know, what's on the syllabus? What can I cynically market to teachers? Mm. It's, it's not that. But what we do is market ourselves market the work to schools and colleges and work really hard yes making people understand the value of our work and seeing it and attending it mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and you know i've sometimes been asked is frantic assembly a political company mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. i think only political really in a small p in the with a small p that um by going out to places where the work isn't um as easily accessed and doing all the groundwork of getting schools and colleges in to not just witness the work, but to experience the processes behind the work so that they mm -hmm. can make work mm -hmm. that is political. Mm -hmm. It's about telling people this work can be for you and you yeah. can make work inspired by this. You can find your voice from this. It's not just about attending the work and then, you know, seeing how clever we all were. Um, I do think theatre can do that sometimes. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's outreach. It's outreach work can sometimes just be a little bit celebration of the genius behind the work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. you know, so you're not giving anybody any tools. And that's what our outreach work has always been about, giving people the tools to make their own work, to find their own voice and to try stuff. Mm -hmm, uh, years ago, um, the uh, journalist Lynn Gardner uh, I think made a kind of throwaway comment in an, in an article mm -hmm. calling, calling Frantic Assembly a, a punk theatre group. And uh -huh. Uh -huh. my friend at the time uh, said, um, no, no, there are much more punk companies than you. And I thought, you, you're, yeah, I know what you think, but you're misunderstanding the meaning of punk. Mm. By punk, she means just picking up a guitar and making some noise. Yeah. And not letting, not letting anyone stop you. Yeah. Then owning that noise. And I think that's in the spirit that Frantic Assembly is a punk company, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but it's also yeah. the spirit in which we're a political company. Uh huh. I don't want to make didactic and overtly political statements in the work. I'm not interested in that. I think yeah. it doesn't help anybody. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. But to inspire people to get up and know that their voice is of value, to find their voice through collaboration, through listening that to me is really important yeah 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 wow yeah Woo! amazing that's so good you know it's got because i think what's for me is very valuable as as a theater maker myself and trying you know to sort my own work out in in this world and create and create in a way that that is sustainable and and connected and relevant and and all those things and it's that's so easy to kind of break you know like break what is important for me what is important for others you know they're oh those things are just important for them but no not really important for me or oh this you know to do a, a show about you know um i don't know that my, my last idea was to do a, a show about um the the home home the home space what what means to to have a home what what home means And I thought, oh, that's just, that's very important for me. But for who else is important that out there, you know, to have like this kind of, to break this relationship 
And I think we are, at the end, we are so used to breaking kind of the working in, in one side or, or the other, you know, not, not considering both. And, uh, and what I see again and again, even for myself or even for other artists that I work with is that the power really comes when we join, you know, when we find the link, when we find something that is amazingly important and relevant to us and, and going through that, we discover very quickly that it's important to, to others as well, not that, that there is a link with others as well. So yeah, there's two things there. Um, one, I, I, I say this quite a lot now, so yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. But I find it's, I find it <clears throat> that I find I go into a rehearsal room to, to find out what I don't know rather than to prove what I do know. Mm. So when I'm in that rehearsal room, the, uh, it means that dialogue is incredibly important. It means that listening is just as important as speaking. And it's a place to learn rather than to prove. Yeah. And, and I think that extends to the work in the, for example, if you're making a show about the home area, the home, mm -hmm. the place of home, that if it's just you talking about your experience of home and what that means to you, then, I mean, that's fine, but the power comes from when you engage an audience in thinking what home means for them, mm -hmm. you know? Um, and, and again, I talk about this a lot, but when you engage an active audience, you invite an audience in to be active rather than be passive, just to listen. And mm. you know, you've got to kind of get that, that exchange happening. Mm -hmm. That's when it becomes alive. Yes. Yes. And, and on that, the, uh, I I love your definition of well, definition your thoughts about movement, isn't it? That movement is much more than like physical movement or moving around, but is is this dynamic, you know, that we can see happening something. What is there is something unraveling, there is something change just in front of your eyes on stage, and and we can express that through physical movement and you know, and actors moving or but or just between kind of a tension that we we see there and uh, and what do you see the relationship between engaging an audience actively and and working in 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 theater as movement i think there there is a connection there isn't it but oh, completely, completely. Mm, mm. and i think my head started to get around it when i realized there was such an expectation for movement within a frantic assembly show Mm. And and I'd hear it being said by teachers that when they were doing their um, their devised pieces for examination, this when the students were doing devised pieces, that examiners examiners would say it's not frantic enough. And I thought, what the hell is that? How can you say that? That's an awful thing to say um, because you know it means it's got to hit these certain moves. It's got to be you know you're just ticking them off. Yeah, um, yeah. and that's that was frightening. So. When I next went into the rehearsal room, I thought, I'm not going to move. I'm not going to get people to move. And what is it that makes us move? Why do we have to move? And by just thinking about that, I realized it had to be the ache within us. Any gesture, any movement had to happen because there was no other alternative. Mm. So we had to explore those alternatives or at least hold back until it became impossible not to move. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I made a couple of shows that were just rooted, absolutely rooted in stillness. Um, the mm -hmm. believers and things they know to be true mm -hmm. and 
it was really painful for the actors because the actors just wanted to move or offer a gesture. And I was saying, no, no, wait, wait, find it, find it. And, and eventually it would come. But what was very clear to me was that the stillness wasn't without movement. It, it engaged the audience in the concept of movement because they were waiting for it, because they desired it, because they needed it. And the way I talk to, the way I talk to actors about it is that if you go on stage with um, opposite your character and both of you want to kiss, mm-hmm. and it's such an ache within you that the, both of you are desiring this kiss, and the audience can see it, and the scene ends and you haven't kissed, the audience will go home that night talking about the kiss, mm-hmm. the kiss that never happened. Mm-hmm. It wasn't an action; it was a concept. It was an idea. So that's how active the audience is around a moment. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes physical action, physical movement can be the dissipation of tension. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's the moment dying rather than the moment alive. Mm-hmm. And it's the moment before that can be incredibly fertile. Yeah. So yeah. I talk to actors about the three universes. Um just to get them to consider every moment on stage and the three universes being the universe before the touch, the universe of the touch and the universe after the touch, even if it's just about reaching out and touch, touching someone's arm. Yeah. There is the world that we know before the touch and that touch hasn't happened. And then there is the action of the touch, which is infinitely complex because the hand moves towards the body and it changes every, every step it gets closer. And then this feeling and warmth of that touch, what is that? What's gone through our heads? And then there is the moment after the touch when we can't take that back. Mm. So everything has changed. Our understanding of each other has changed and our course has changed. Yeah, yeah. And our audiences are that clever. You know, we think at a million miles an hour and I just wanted to empower our performers and get them to understand that that's, they have a brilliant collaborator in that audience Mm. and that physicality is text movement is text because it gets translated into text in the minds of the audience yes you standing there and doing nothing facing a partner and both of you wanting to kiss is translated into text in the mind of the audience which is they want to kiss oh my god they want to kiss but they don't want to give it away oh my god they think that the other person doesn't want to kiss or they're scared they're going to miss this moment and never get it back but they're too afraid to act. This is tragic. Do you know what I mean? That's that's how yes. it's created. But it's created through stillness and the promise or concept of movement, not necessarily the delivery of movement. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yes, that's, yes. That's quite a lot for students to get their head around. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think it's important that they can engage with that a little because otherwise they're just delivering frantic moves and the examiner is just ticking them off. Yes, yes. Well, yeah, yeah, wow, very interesting, yeah, you know, it's um, what it is, what it is, I think is, for me, what comes to my mind a lot is this journey, this curious journey, or this journey into the unknown, you know, that you are so furiously, frantically committed to, you know, like, always, always exploring more, always exploring more, and I think that's, at the end, 
you you that's the experience that you give your audience as well isn't it like you, you don't solve things for them and they are not uh, experiencing you know like just an unknown getting to know and and full stop a reality or some characters or a story but there is there is a space within this story this play that you're presenting and 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 creating with them for the for the unknown so the audience it's it's exploring the the unknown with you as well isn't it i have yeah this this yeah. impression yeah. yeah i think that's important and i think i think there is often a presumption mm -hmm. that theater is based on a literary tradition uh -huh. mm -hmm. the literary tradition is a byproduct of theater Oh. Theater, I think was made and then was written down oh. rather than written down and then made and that's really important I think because in reality theatre is not about standing up with a script in your hand and reading the words that someone wrote yeah. you know, however many years before in reality it's about problem solving and listening and trust and faith and leaps of imagination and wrestling with thoughts and building something that didn't exist until you build it, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. which to me is entrepreneurial skills. Yes. And that's why we need to be teaching our children to engage in this kind of work. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Because it, go it goes far beyond standing up on stage and, and you know, acting under under a light for an audience you know it's not about wanting to be seen it's about wrestling with thought it's about understanding the human condition understanding who you are what your potential is and your ability to connect and the importance of that connection yeah and i think that's in the process of making the work mm -hmm. but i also think in the process of understanding the work and and um, consuming it from the point of view of an audience it's simply not just words we, yeah we don't walk into a room and get all of our information from the words. We can walk into any room at a party or a pub and understand whether it's about to kick off, mm. whether there is a sexual tension here or, or a violent tension, or whether someone has just said something really bad and left the room, you come in and you sense it. Mm -hmm. you know? mm -hmm. we, it's, not, it's not just words. And I think there's such an emphasis on the literary tradition. Yeah which i respect my background is english literature you know i i come at it with a real respect i love working with writers mm -hmm. but i get most excited working with writers when they understand the potential of storytelling that goes beyond words yes i worked with a brilliant writer called um Bryony lavery who helped teach me that actually mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. when she said when we we're trying to make a piece of work together devising it from scratch um she said that she thought it was her ambition to um, to get to the point of creating a scene where she doesn't have to write any words. Mm. And that's, a beautiful, that's a beautifully generous thing for a writer to say, to understand that understanding from the other perspective doesn't have to be ladled out, doesn't have to be through words, that theatre can craft the moment through all of its tools. Yep. And an audience can work their socks off to understand it too. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 So it's, um, it is about the unknown. It is about testing. 
Mm -hmm. but it's about engaging mm -hmm. about recognizing that everyone's going to move towards each other rather than just sending that energy out and pushing an audience back in their seat to the point where they become really passive i want mm -hmm. the audience to be sitting on on the edge of their seats mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yes yeah 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 wow scott thank you so much for joining us today that's such a brilliant 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 conversation um yeah i'm so glad we recorded this and that we now can share with so many other practitioners and theater makers and and artists of all walks uh, walking their paths thank you so much for sharing with us your experience and and all your beautiful insights thank you and see you later thank you bye-bye Now I wonder, what was your favorite insight in this episode and most importantly, how can you integrate this new discovery into your practice as a creator right now? Want to go deeper? Go to our website and subscribe to our newsletter and receive exclusive insights and inspiration on building a freaking awesome career as a socially engaged creator every other week. Thank you so much for listening. As always, you can find our show notes or any links that we mentioned today on our website www.raquelbalistela.com podcast. If you got some interesting insights or found more clarity and inspiration in this episode, could you please do me a quick favor and leave us a five stars review? This podcast is still pretty new and your review will help other artists just like you to find it and discover new ways of expanding their art and impact too. Thank you so much for following your creative path and for all the beautiful, meaningful, extraordinary things you create in the world, whatever form they take. Have a great rest of your week, and I will catch up with you next time.